Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Another season of 90 Day Fiancé is over. How do we feel? I feel like I've heard in the streets that people thought that this season was maybe a little bit boring, but I quite liked it in retrospect. I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Um, There was a two-part, (laughs) three-hour finale that took place on Sunday and Monday. So here I am to recap it. So all the couples... I think there are seven couples this season where, um, you know, flown on the best Southwest flight to uh, New York City. (laughs) So we see all the couples going to the studio, basically. Um, Michael and Juliana are basically just nervous to talk about Michael's divorce with Sarah and the details surrounding that. Um, (laughs) Mike is by himself and he's stressed out because of that, allegedly. Um, obviously, Natalie's still in the Ukraine, and he says he's not sure how he's going to feel about the questions, which I feel is a bit of foreshadowing. He has a hands-free, like, one of those Bluetooth earpieces, like a real douchebag. So, frankly, I've already sided with Natalie completely on this issue, simply because of that piece of technology. Like, I've seen everything I need to know to know that he's at fault, and I have no problem saying that. Um, Emily and Sasha are, you know, they seem to be having a tough time. Thank God Emily found a more natural tone to her hair. Um, she says that since being in America, Sasha, quote, doesn't know how to navigate American friendships, which means that he's a dick and that it's been tough for them that she's signed him up for the gym and like talking about his like a child. Like I take him on all these activities and it's just like, you're just not making friends. It's just like really unsettling to me. Like if you can't make friends with like guys at the gym, like even just talking about your workouts and like that is a sign of a really big problem to me. Like, am I wrong here? I don't know. Blake and Jasmine come in and Jasmine just says that like Blake's friends are probably annoyed with her, but that they need to understand that their marriage is a priority and Jasmine is a priority right now. Um, we get Tanya and Sinjin, uh, Tanya says she's worried because Sinjin isn't working yet. Like she's basically providing for both of them financially. Um, I don't know. For some reason, she's got a boot on. I don't know, probably from tripping over her own bullshit. Did she 
catch her foot in one of her bras that she never wears that she probably leaves on the floor. I don't know. Um, Sinjin says that he's trying not to do anything that he doesn't love with regard to his career. So he's just kind of like still feeling things out and like just taking life wherever the wind blows him, I guess. Um, Robert and Annie walk in and they said, Robert says like, oh, we've been through ups and downs and but Annie's making things very difficult. Annie says that she's waiting for uh, Robert to basically make good on any of the promises that he promised her, basically. Sorry, you guys. I'm still very sick. I should have pre-warned you in the beginning. (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit loopy. Um, And then we get Michael. Well, not Michael, but Angela. Basically, like, everybody's B-roll like everybody's film footage of them going to the studios of them, like walking in nice areas of Manhattan or, uh, you know, in the car on the way to there, like walking in the studio, like very professional. (laughs) So like, but Angela is like stomping out of like what looks like a tunnel, just ripping cigarettes. And she's got a black duster on and like a red, you know, one of her titty tops. And she basically says that she's upset that Michael isn't here and she's confused about why the visa is still being held up. I'm wondering when they actually filmed the reunion. I should have looked that up. Um, Okay, so then, gosh, who else was there? Oh, Anna and Marcel. Um, Anna says that basically nobody in her family was supportive uh, about the wedding and that things have been like kind of a big mess basically that her oldest son Joey we know didn't come and neither did her mother um and she even says that her brother didn't speak to her for a couple of weeks um then all the couples gather on stage with host Sean Robinson she's got her best wig on it was very cute um Marcel's wearing like I think it's a prayer bracelet that's beaded it's like clear beads with like a silver tassel attached um perfect to go with his red polo shirt um we find out that tanya actually got into a car accident so that's why she's wearing the boot and she's had surgeries and screws and plates and forks and knives i'm sure um sean asks mike apparently they there was some difficulty with mike he said he wasn't going to come or he was like on the fence about coming so sean asks why he almost didn't come and he said oh (laughs) he's like going on about how busy he is like wasn't his job just like working on the farm like didn't we just see him out covering logs and there aren't even animals on the farm right I don't know probably just very busy you know I I don't know making sure Bojangles gets his weekly dosage of pancakes I have no idea uh he says that he and Natalie are working on their differences and Natalie is like, so all the people that are like Skyped in are on these like towers with screens on them. Um, So Natalie says, she's like, I don't know what to say about the situation. Um, So then we get a montage of all the good times. We see Tanya and her fetish for Sinjin's armpit hair um angela back at the hotel in nigeria trying to make michael put on novelty underwear um anna and marcel getting told to keep it down from all the sex that they're having um by her oldest son which is uh horrifying um angela (laughs) then goes on to say that she and michael had sex 38 times in the two weeks that she was in nigeria and michael says that he confirms that that is actually true. Everybody was horrified, myself included. Um, so then the first segment goes to Tanya and Sinjin, and we get a segment about Tanya's trip to Costa Rica and how lonely Sinjin was, like, you know, trying to make do with the friendships with Tanya's family and, like, just basically being alone. And then, you know, Tanya with her ass cheeks out on the beach learning to bachata with her hot dance instructor. Um, and Tanya, like, starts to defend herself because, you know, Sean's like, you've really been getting it pretty hard um, in terms of your criticism on social media. And she, Tanya basically says that people feel like she's a cold bitch, but, like, 
she they made their decision together to, for her to go to Costa Rica and that like this was the third year in a row like she had tried two years prior to go and like this is basically like if I didn't go now I didn't I um I was never gonna go and I want to shout out to 90 day fiance summer party of the other podcast um they're awesome they great gave awesome insight into Tanya's like trip to Costa Rica and actually um Oh my gosh, Jody um, did as well from Reality TV. Um, so Jody said that that herbalism class that Tanya took was basically like like completely unnecessary that she had to fly to Costa Rica. Like it was something that you could take online. It was something that like, you know, like you're basically paying for the experience. Like you absolutely don't have to be there. You can take online classes. You can take like an accelerated course. Like she just basically went for like the granddaddy package. But also (laughs) she like set up a GoFundMe. So you guys, when I found out and I'm still shaking, um, that we are one day apart. The reason why I found that out is because she posted on February 28th of, I believe, 2018, um, something like, you guys, I have a really important charity and the charity is me. And it was her GoFundMe for this exact Costa Rica trip, basically talking about like how she needed, um, you know, like for her mental health, she really needed this class and, it was like <laughs> truly unbelievable. Okay, so I found I found this. Okay. It's my birthday, y'all, and the charitable foundation I'm raising funds for is myself and some healing. <laughs> but anything I ever do, I always bring it back to the community. So it's really a family affair. <laughs> so then she posts like explaining her goals and going to Costa Rica. She says, my next journey is a month long herbal intensive in Costa Rica. The costs, including a, um, you know, like a person, personal color discount is $2,488, including housing and five days a week meals. Slide is also extra. Please donate if you're able to share, if you're able and share, share, share. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to share what I learn. Is that the most selfish thing that you've ever heard in your life? Like, I, the charitable donation is me. And you know what? The Pisces jumped out on that one. And I, I can't even lie about that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just truly couldn't believe that. Um, and then she kind of goes on to say that, like, the reason, one of the reasons why she really loves Sinjin is that, like, he really lets her be herself. So, like, even if he wasn't happy about her going, like, he still let her, you know, do that and, like, didn't make her feel guilty about it. So then they get into Sinjin's job situation and he does, like, admit that he suffers from procrastination. And he has this kind of, like, mindset. To me, it's, like, very South African. Like, I've seen this. South African guys and Australian guys are, like, truly the whitest men in the world. <laughs> he says that, like, he that he was, like, basically, he feels like the universe is going to push him in the right direction in terms of a career. So he's just, like, letting the wind blow and take him wherever it may lead. Um But then he does make a very valid point in saying, like, I started, I was working in the mines starting at 17. I worked there for seven years. It was incredibly taxing. And I was suicidal at one point because of it. And I know people that died. And it was, like, a very messed up situation to the point where, like, if I feel in any way, like, trapped in a situation, like, I just have to cut bait. And it's like, I understand that that's, like, you know not the most mature way to do it, but like, he's like, I just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, that's just how I am. So Tanya goes on to say that like, she has been really trying to be really instrumental in helping him achieve his dreams. Like she said, when he wanted to do woodworking, I looked up woodworking classes when he wanted to do something else. Like I looked up that. And then like they mentioned, you know, a couple people chime in are like, well, maybe you have PTSD from the mines. And 
maybe you should, you know, consider going to therapy. And Tanya was like, yeah, like I tried to, you know, talk him into going to therapy for that. Like I'm really trying to make him, you know, like if you have these dreams, I'm supportive in letting you explore those, but like you have to take those next steps, which is fair. It's an entirely fair thing to say. Um, yeah. So then she goes on to say that like Sinjin has made a lot of promises and basically like she's not sure if the person that he says that he wants to be is actually going to come to fruition. And if that's the case and like they really need to, he needs to let her know. So their, their whole kind of thing is like throughout the episode, we find out that they really are conscious of the fact that they got married with a lot of things left up in the air, a lot of questions that are unanswered, big deal-breaking type of things, but they recognize, both of them, that like they just decided to go through with the marriage anyway because they love each other. Um, then they start talking about kids and like, we know that Tanya wanted to have kids like very quickly. Um, and that basically her compromise was to say two years, like she wants to have kids immediately and like in quick succession. Um, but like she, that Sinjin kind of was like waffling and now it's gone from like maybe in a couple years and to like now I don't even know if I want to have kids um they Sinjin says that like on a day-to-day level that they really kind of avoid talking about that situation because it is a deal breaker for her and he basically doesn't have any idea when or if he'll be ready I think Sinjin would be a great father I think that like he does have things that he has to get in line but I think like he would be open to having children I just think that he doesn't think that this is the right situation which is fair but it's also like I have to side with Tanya in this situation because to me I think we've all seen people who like get together and one wants a kid for sure and then the other one kind of waffles on it in my opinion it's the person the like I understand that like okay in my opinion it's the responsibility of the person who doesn't want to have kids to say like I do not like be very clear about that because like the person who does want to have kids, they're always going to, if you're still around, there's always going to be that hope in the back of their head that like maybe in a couple of years, they'll change their mind. Maybe if we get to this goalpost in our life, we'll, you know, maybe he, if he starts making this kind of money, maybe if we're stable, then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there'll be a chance of that. And I think like, yeah, like everybody should be completely honest, but I just think it's the responsibility of the person who doesn't want to do it to be very clear and also like let that person go because by being in their life and continuing to like be in a relationship with them, I just feel like you're giving false hope. You know, does that make sense? I don't. So that's like one point for Tanya and like 7,000 for Sinjin, but I, I do give her that. Um, Anyway, Sinjin says that he knows that, like, if he doesn't want to have kids, that it'll break them up. And they kind of just leave it at that for them. And then they go on to Emily and Sasha. (laughs) So then we get a flashback scene of the dinner between Emily, Sasha, and Masha, who is... Masha is Sasha's first wife slash baby mama. So in the scene, Masha... you know, really didn't hold back. Like she wasn't being like overly dramatic, but she was just being very direct, like saying that, you know, like men just go to the next opportunity. Like basically saying that Sasha is an opportunist that he'll always just go on to the next best thing or whatever he believes. And he wanted to go to America and that Emily was his way to get there. After that scene, Robert and Sinjin both, basically say that like Masha's jealous and so Robert's like yo I think she's a hater and and it's like really weird I don't get that all like you guys know the back like he left her 
with a kid, right? And now he's going to an entirely different country, leaving that child. Like, she's perfectly entitled to feel some type of way. Like, I guess Robert wouldn't get that because all his kids were, like, scattered about the country except for Brayson. But anyway, um, Sasha says that, like, Emily even says that she's jealous and, like, uh, whatever. I think that Emily's a dum-dum, frankly. But Sasha says that he thinks that Masha doesn't remember, like, the entirety of their relationship. And basically, she doesn't recognize her um, role in the demise of their their marriage. Um, Then Sean tries to clear up, like, what actually was the timeline between your relationships? And Sasha says that he and Masha were completely broken up by the time he met his second wife. There was no overlap in that. However, he does say that he and Emily met and they kind of be like, oh, I was his client, you know, blah, blah, blah. He said that they met prior to his divorce from his second wife, but they did not do anything together um, until he filed for divorce. And Emily even says, like, I tried to ask him out and he said no. And then like one day I saw him at the gym and he was single. And then that's how things started with them. Um, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. (laughs) Anyway, um, Emily's sister, Betsy comes on via Skype and we get a scene of, you know, like Sasha eating cereal, eating American cereal for the first time he was eating, um, frosted mini wheats and saying it was trash. And basically like Betsy, if you guys don't watch the show is a curvy girl, but she's certainly not like that she's like a size 10 maybe like really nothing to like low-key fat shame her about like he threw her food away he called her trash and he like what did he do oh he called he said that the the um the frosted mini wheats should be a cheat meal for her. And he was like, do you normally eat like this? And she was like, no, no. He's like, oh, okay. Well then I guess this will be a cheat meal for you. And then he turns to their mother and goes like, do you eat this stuff? And she's like taller and thin, and like the kind of woman that looks like she's been thin her whole life. And she's like, no, I don't really eat that. And he was like, yeah, well I can tell. Ugh, he's so gross. Anyway. So we see that scene and then we see that like Betsy still feeling some type of way about, um, Sasha, even though they're now married, um, they have actually since moved out of Betsy's home. I don't know if they're living in Portland, um, like they said they wanted to, but she said that they, they don't live with Betsy anymore. Um, so then we get a back and forth between, uh, Emily and Sasha and Betsy says that, excuse me, between Betsy and Sasha, Betsy says that she doesn't think that Sasha really cares about Emily's like health, like her actual health and that he only cares about what she looks like. And Sasha's like, well, you know, I care that I want my family to be healthy and look good and feel good and blah, blah, blah. And then they're just really just shading each other. And he was like, Emily was like, excuse me, Betsy was like, where did you get your nutrition degree from? Like Google, like what are you qualified to be telling her about how, and what she should be eating. Emily then goes on to say, and I think Emily might be suffering from like PPD. It seems like mommy blues, whatever you want to call it. But she basically says that like, since having the baby, she's uncomfortable in her own skin. And, but it makes it really hard because she's working. And she's like, you know, when I get home, I'm really tired. And really the only thing I want to do is be with my baby because I haven't seen him all day. And, you know, God knows he's very heavy and, you know, (laughs) that's got to be very exhausting. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's sad because she says she admits like she feels really uncomfortable and she would really like to get back to her body. And we know that part of that is like, she's concerned about Sasha seeing other women at the gym because she admitted it on the show. Like I'm worried about him 
looking at other women and having access to all these women. So I really just want to like be my best self and have my best body. Basically saying like at this point, like she just doesn't have the time and she, you know, it's just like a, a cycle of negativity. Like I can't do this. So I feel bad and I feel bad because I can't do it. And it's sad. Um, Betsy says that she does not think that Sasha really respects the institution of marriage and that she thinks that his true behavior will come out when he gets a screen card. And that was mostly what we saw from uh, Emily and Sasha. Thank God they were boring. So they got another basically boring couple out of the way, and that is Michael and Juliana. Um, then we get a clip of Juliana like moving into the house and talking about having money now and how it's difficult because her family is you know back in Brazil and they're extremely poor. Juliana says on stage that she bought her family a house in Brazil um, and that she pays for it, but that they don't speak to her and they haven't spoken to her for quite some time. She starts to get emotional and she tells the story about how she, you know, she learned that she got her visa. And so she went home and that there was like a big circle of family and friends around and how like just they started saying awful things to her about how she's not helping and not able to save them. And she, it's really sad because. You know, I, I can't imagine being in a situation where you come from like extreme poverty and you get yourself in a position. I mean, no shade, but I mean, it's basically like hitting the lottery. Like, I can't imagine how that must feel like you, you just when you're in that situation, like, you know, it's very hard to get out of that and then it's like when you're the only one to get to that point you're kind of expected to help everybody else out and she says like I can do a million things for them but like if I don't do one thing or if I say no to them one time then it's like a really big deal and it's really really sad um then we get a clip about like the family dynamic with sarah michael's ex-wife and you know all the kids and how everything is really great for them and sarah comes on stage sean asks sarah like what happened to and your marriage with michael and she was like well i think he should answer that and Michael just says, like, he was traveling a lot and partying a lot and basically said that he was spiraling and um, he said that he felt, like, claustrophobic, kind of, that he didn't feel like he was very free. Basically, like, a very classic um, midlife crisis. So <laughs> Sean's like, well, okay, well, Sarah, you've been making a lot of faces when he's explaining that. And she was like, well... Most of that face was because uh, she's like, I, because she said, she basically she was insulted by the fact that he said that he felt like he didn't have a lot of freedom. She's like, the entirety of our, not only our marriage, but our entire relationship, he was traveling a lot. And I felt like I was very cool about that. Um, and I have to believe that she is because as of now, I believe everything that Sarah said. <laughs> um yeah so basically he also like admitted to being flirtatious he did not admit to cheating per se but um and he said that he didn't hook up with anybody until the divorce was filed but he did kind of admit to emotional cheating and being flirtatious and like he i guess it seems like she found some conversations on his whatsapp and they were inappropriate um, then Juliana says that Sarah is her best friend and, and Sarah says like, you know, I could have, I did have a lot of preconceived notions. Just like, honestly, I thought that she would, you know, get her modeling career going and then leave. And she's like, but the more she shared about her life, like the more I knew she was genuine and the more I knew that she was like actually invested in my children's life and, and their welfare and that she wasn't just in this to like, you know, leave them and that they have like a really great relationship. And then <laughs> Q 
King Max and Queen Cece come out. Cece is looking very cute. She's adorable. She's in her red dress and she's got these like leopard like leggings on. <laughs> Max is basically dressed like a college student. He's got like a pull-up hoodie, zipper hoodie, PJ pants. He's wearing it looks like he's wearing slippers. Honestly, he kind of looked like he like Mike was dressed half of the season. And they ask, Sean asks, like, you know, what were your first impressions of this whole situation? And um, Max says, that, like, when their dad told them that Juliana was coming and that she was 20 years different, 20 years younger, he was like, my God, dad, <laughs> I stand these kids. And then Sean asks if Max and Cece had any advice for the, for the other couples. And Max pulled the chopper out and sprayed on all these hoes. <laughs> and he said the things that we all should have been saying this whole time. He says that they should, the couple should tr- attempt to know each other's cultures. And he goes, or at least like try to learn each other's languages so that they can communicate. And Max is sitting <laughs> right next to Anna and Marcel. So he turns to Anna and he's like, sorry. <laughs> She's like, it's okay. <laughs> nice on you, Max. That fucking killed me. That was truly hands down the best part of the whole three hours and it made it worth it. Oh my God. Um, then we get to Robert and Annie and we get to flashbacks of all the times that Robert was being a cheapskate and, Sean asks, like, why did you, because there was a scene of, like, you know, him taking her to the, uh, using clothes stores, as Annie would say, and the, when they go to look at apartments, and then Robert's like, you know, it's this, like, beautiful apartment on a lake, and then Robert's like, oh, well, I actually signed a lease on my old apartment, and it's for a year, and I can't, like, get out of it. <laughs> so Sean was like, well, why did you even take her to the apartment knowing that you were going to definitely be staying in your old apartment for a year? And keep in mind, Bryson was sharing a bed with them. And it seems like he might still be. Um, so then Robert, <sighs> Robert, Robert says that the whole used clothes store thing was just a test. Boy, get the fuck out of here. He said, I just wanted to see if she was all about money. Sir. I can't wait to like have a reason to go to Metro Orlando, Florida and give him a one star on his Uber. Um, then he also says that uh, the reason why he didn't, the reason why he signed the lease on his apartment for another year is because he didn't know when Annie was coming to America. He's like, oh, but also Bryson's got a preschool that's right across the street and I didn't want to take him out of school. Bryson's like four. This isn't like, okay, you guys, I know I'm not a parent, but like, we have to be a little bit less sensitive about taking our children out of school. Like, yes, if you're like, you know, there, there, there are times where that's okay, but Bryson is four years old. He's going to have to go to a new school anyway, because it's not even a real school. It's like preschool at best. And it's probably more of a daycare situation. So like, we don't have to worry about Bryson being psychologically damaged at four years old because he got put in a different school. Like, I just, you know, everybody calm down. Can we calm down and listen to our kids pop? <laughs> I miss that lady. You remember that kids pop video? Um, anyway, so then we get to Bryson's grandparents, Stephanie and Ben. Stephanie's dressed like a character from Clue or some shit. She's like a, got a blue velvet dress, a true bl- devil in a blue dress. And she's got like 40s kind of like wave to her hair, <laughs> red, bright red lipstick, and this like diamond, 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 Swarovski crystal probably, um, necklace. And <laughs> it's like, girl, you realize that you're just Skyping, like you're sitting on your own couch. And just Skyping in, right? Like, you're not even, like, Skyping from, like, a, a Hilton 
a Hilton or something, a Hampton Inn. <laughs> like you're at home, girl. It's okay. You're only going to be on TV for 14 minutes. Listen, no shade. I know she's not used to being on camera with clothes on. <laughs> so maybe she just thought that she would, okay. Maybe she just thought that she would, uh, really take it to the next. Okay. I'll give you that, Stephanie. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, Anyway, Annie says that she was offended by Stephanie asking about her birth control. And then I was a little bit confused about what the deal was because Annie said after they got married that she wants to have five kids. But then here she says that like she was feeling very sensitive about Stephanie asking if she was on birth control because she said before exactly she said exactly this before I couldn't have kids. She's like, and then she goes on to say, like, I'm 30. Don't you think that by now, like, she's like, every woman wants to have a child and I'm 30. So don't you basically like think by now that there's might be something wrong and that maybe this would not be a question that you would ask, which is very quick, very fair. Um, and then she, nobody really says anything to that. And then Ben says that they were concerned and this was like freaking weird. He goes, Robert's not good at a lot, but he can have kids. And they basically go on to say that, like, their concerns was with Robert having another child and how it might take away from Bryson. Like, this is a very normal thing that happened. People have multiple children. I'm sure you probably have more than one child. Like, what are they talking? Like, why are they so overly concerned with Bryson's care? This is very weird to me. And then... Sean asks the grandparents how often they get to see Bryson and they're like, never, we never get to see him. And then they like have this thing big back and forth. And Robert says back in the day, they used to see Bryson like once a month, but they had sent him some nasty texts. He said that you guys don't know how far this goes. It gets real deep and it's real dark. And, Then, like, Ben kind of, like, flips out. Stephanie's trying to defend herself. But Ben's like, no, we're not talking about this, talking about this. And he pulls the camera down. You can hear Stephanie say, no, put the camera back up because she wants to keep going into it. But then he, like, the cable gets cut, the connection gets lost, and, you know, that's it for them. Um, Then Robert says another thing that I found very confusing, but he says that, there was a time where his apartment caught fire. And so he ended up being homeless for two months and being taken care of by, he got taken in by like some very close friends. And then he says something about how like family members in Atlanta told, like just told uh, Robert to have, to send Bryson up to Atlanta, I guess, while until they, they could get back in their apartment so I was very confused about like what that had to do with Ben and Stephanie. I'm assuming that like, I'm assuming what he meant was like, he, he was and in like a real time of need and that they were like really nasty to him. Now I'm not sure if this happened prior to Annie coming or not, but it seems like if I, it had to be, it had to have been after because why would he even film with them if that's how he was feeling? If that's if that happened before she came. Okay, I'm I'm very confused. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, so let's get to the next couple, which are Anna and Marcel. Uh, we get the segment about the cultural differences between them. Uh, flashback to Anna saying that Marcel would prefer to, that she have like a really modest wedding dress, but like, you know, but I'm in America, so I want to do this and how she drinks and how Marcel doesn't drink and he doesn't like to kiss her or sleep with her or be physical with her when she's been drinking. And, you know, that whole conversation about how, he doesn't go ugh, how he doesn't go ugh, how he doesn't go down on her and Sean okay so Marcel has like a I guess like an earpiece like they do at the UN <laughs> that has him like speaking Turkish so he knows what is being said um so then he basically says like he, he wasn't surprised by Anna talking about their sex life because that's like American culture and he's used to it um, and then they ask about the communication between them and Anna's like, well, it's not really as bad as you guys think. She's like, Marcel's English is better than my Turkish, but we're both learning each other's languages. And she's like, you know, we, we can have basic conversation without the aid of a, you know, a translator app. Uh, but She's like, and he will, like, he can have conversations with people, but she's like, he's not going to do it now because he's nervous, but she's like, when he is in a comfortable space, like, his English is not that bad. Or, I mean, you know, not great, but not so bad that they can completely incommunicate. Incommunicate? (laughs) You know what I mean. (laughs) Um... So then we get a segment about the boys and all the issues, the ups and downs that they had with the boys and how Marcel, you know, initially had to deny their existence to his family and how, you know, how bad it was in the culture for Anna to have children. And finally, you know, Anna says that things with Joey are still not great. And finally, Sean asks, like, why would you involve the boys with somebody who has to deny them to his family. And Anna said that like, basically until she got there, she didn't really, that she hadn't really told people about the situation with Marcel. And so she's like, I was basically just kind of like living in my own head. And once Marcel got here and I was being more open with people, I realized basically like how ridiculous that was. Um, then they get a segment about like Marcel's parents and you know him eventually going back to Turkey and Marcel basically says that like that when he decided to go back he was in this bad place emotionally that he was feeling very isolated by being in America not having anybody to talk to and I get that to a certain extent like if you feel like you're so alone and the only people who are in your corner are half a world away. And now they're telling you, you need to come back. I could see why you would be tempted to just go back to that place. Even if you're not happy, there's like stability there, if that makes sense. I mean, it, it doesn't really, but it does. Um, and then Sean asks if there were any more secrets in the family any more secrets that his family didn't know about and Anna reveals that like they want to have children but Anna cannot so they're gonna have to have a surrogate which is against Turkish uh culture I think he may have even said it was illegal there um but it's certainly not like something that is supported there for sure and so Anna said like you know I don't it's not really a big deal. Like we can have a baby and I don't have to tell them that I didn't carry it. Like I don't really care about being honest with regard to that. And Sean asks how Marcel feels. And he said that basically he feels the same. Like he basically at this point, like doesn't, he's not under their thumb anymore. He doesn't really care what they think. And he's very happy with his life with Anna. So that was the end of them. Uh, You know, maybe things are on an upswing. 
things are starting to heat up a little bit. We're getting to the nitty gritty, if you will. <laughs> we get to Tony and Sinjin. Um, we get back to them, rather, and they're talking about the whole soulmate conversation situation. Um, we get the flashback to the conversation with the uh, medium or astrologist, whatever. Um, Tanya goes on to word salad and says, like, she doesn't know what a soulmate is. And she's basically blaming everybody else for how they view what a soulmate is and how they're putting all of this stuff on her. And, like, she's just trying to navigate what it is a soulmate is. Like, okay. <laughs> um, I think it's safe to say, like, she's like, you know, like, what if it's a soulmate's just like a friend or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, well, A, you're not helping your case because you just married that man. So... <laughs> to say that you're still navigating what that means is pretty effed up. I, but it's also like, it's safe to assume that like Lady Marmalade or whoever that lady's name was, this, if you guys are having a uh, session about your like love compatibility and whether or not you guys are right for each other, it's safe to mean to assume that her assumption of what soulmate means is the person that you're in love with and who's going to be your partner for the rest of your life. So like you don't need to be navigating anything because the assumption, <laughs> you know what she asked and you are embarrassed because you're a jerk and you're selfish and you want to be able to say whatever you want to somebody with no consequence. And it's gross. It's annoying. <laughs> then she starts getting emotional because she says, like, well, he just really understands me. And, you know, they have a love that shouldn't be defined by just one word and whatever. <laughs> then she says, you know, like, things are hard between us and blah, yada, yada, yada. Natalie starts getting emotional for whatever reason. Um, then we go to a segment with Mike and Natalie. Um we go back to the scene of her having lunch with her girlfriends and they were talking about her ex-husband and how successful he was and how her, one of her friends were like, you know, in my opinion, basically Mike is like a step down from her ex-husband because he's not financially stable and, you know, he's not going to be able to give her the life that she's accustomed to. Um, and Natalie says that she's also like concerned. She's like, I, I do have concerns about whether or not he'll be able to take care of me because he did say that he was $30,000 in debt. And she's like, I'm not going to be able to work for a year. Like it doesn't, I never get the impression that she like doesn't want to work and is not willing to work. And she's looking like for a free ride, which is like, I mean, the reality is like, I'm not going to be able to work. So, you know, I just don't want to put that in somebody's hands. Um, then he says, like, he's like, well, right now I'm like just really confident that I can take care of her. So the way he talks to Link, it seems like his financial situation is really gone on the upswing. And he says that he could also take care of a child, but that he didn't want to do it long distance. That he didn't want to, you know, because they didn't know what was going on with their visa. And he says it's still pending. Um, at the time of them recording their reunion, he says that, you know, like I just wanted to be along for the process. I didn't want to have you Skype and tell me that I'm having a boy. I didn't want to miss hospital, hospital, you know, checkups and not checkups, but like, you know, sonograms and ultrasounds and all that whole process of the, uh, having a kid. And I, I think that's completely fair. Like I, he's like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to be thousands away from my partner thousands of miles away from my partner from having a kid. Like I would like for that process to be a partnership. Um, so then they, Sean asked like, you know, if you guys weren't long distance, do you think that you would have a kid by now? Or like, where do you think you would be in the process of having kids? And he was like, Oh, we definitely would have had one by now. And so they kind of asked uh, Natalie what she thinks. And she says that she would not put that on Mike at this point. That was the end of part one. So now we're into part two and we're back to Sean, excuse me, Mike and Natalie. And Sean asks like what the official status is between Mike and Natalie. Um, so she asked Natalie directly and Natalie keeps doing this the whole episode. Like, well, I don't know. I don't want to answer. Why don't you ask Michael? I, you know, why don't you tell him what, you know, whatever. 
And Bashan's like, no, I'm, I'm asking you, like, answer the question. And Natalie's like, well, I can speak for the both of us. But she says, I'm not out of the relationship, but it is on hold right now. And I have, she has fears about the future. Mike says he has hope for them, but that they do have problems. And like I said before, they still don't know what her, what's going on with her visa. So then we get to Angela and Michael and we get the scene where uh, Michael reveals to Angela over FaceTime that his visa was denied and like he got really emotional and started crying. Then Michael's friends that um, Angela refers to as the goofballs, goofballs uh, join in. Remember we had that scene of Michael meeting up with like some expats and they were telling him about like, you should be really careful about going to America because it's very racist. Like what happened to those people? Do you remember that scene? Anyway, then they show the fight where they were at dinner, the goofballs and Angela and Michael and where they call her trashy and it becomes like this whole thing. And then Michael has a conversation with the guys and is like, listen, this is my woman and we've been working really hard to be together and my visa was denied and I'm very upset about that. And they, like, kind of reconcile, but then we find out that this is back to where it was. So Sean asks the goofballs, like, why is it that they're not supportive of their relationship? And one of them says, like, you know, we were cool with it before, but Angela had changed over the course of time. And then they call her trashy again. And Angela gets up and is like, well, I'm the classiest trashy woman you ever meet. And you know, kiss my white trashy ass and all that stuff. Um, oh, Lord. And then she's like, Michael, come on. <laughs> she keeps getting like, like Michael's in the room, even though he's like clear across the world in Nigeria. Like, come on, Michael, come with me. Like, she's trying to go backstage and also get Michael to go <laughs> off camera. <laughs> but he's not there. It's so silly. Um, but he is like trying to like pull his mic off. So he's getting upset. And the guys are just laughing at her. Like she's getting more and more riled up and like yelling at the screen. And they're just laughing and laughing. And it's getting like so embarrassing. Like, oh, I have such a hard time with secondhand embarrassment. It was just, it was getting borderline hard to watch. But then Sean gets the producers to just cut the feed off of the goofballs so that Angela will come back and Michael will come back and finish her segment, which they do. And um, Michael says that, like, from now on, he's done with them. Like, I love Angela and, like, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. And, you know, we're done. So then we get to Blake and Jasmine. Ugh, God. Rita and Everett are on the screen immediately. Like, at least <laughs> we get... Usually, you know, we get like 45 seconds with the couples alone before their family and friends walk in. But Rita and, and, and Everett are there immediately. Um, so then we get their segment as like basically the cursed Vanderpump rules. Blake's friends going off on him in the stew about how they don't even know if Jasmine's name is spelled with a Z or an S. And like, why don't we share memories with her, man? Like, what's the problem? She doesn't want to... She didn't want to be our friend, like, and that's a really big problem for us. Like, wh- y'all are 30. <laughs> Grow up. Uh, Sean asks if Jasmine's interested in Blake's stuff, and she's like, and they both agree that, yeah, she's like, I do stuff with him all the time. I hang out with his friends. I go here, I go there. It's like, he's the one who doesn't want to do stuff that I like to do. I'm always you know, catering to the things he, his activities and stuff. Um, so then (laughs) I already mentally blocked this out because it was so distressing, but now that I'm reading back, it's all coming back to me now. Okay. This is the first time, like, I don't know. Cause I like type and watch the shows. So maybe I didn't see this, but this was the first time we did a full, like, a zoom in on Blake's face, like a tight shot. Y'all, why does this man have blue colored contacts? Blake! Blake! Honey! And they weren't even natural. <laughs> they were like, 
I mean, they were like trying to be natural blue, naturally blue, but he clearly got them from like AliExpress. So like, even though they weren't gonna look natural on him anyway, like even if Jasmine put those on, they would look like you were clearly wearing colored contacts. They were very cheap. <sighs> Blake gives me stress hives. He was wearing like a, you know, I'm, I can't. You know what? I can't. The jacket. And that I can't. Okay. So Rita is just rambling on and on about how cold Jasmine is and how she doesn't let them in. And then um, Everett is drinking a beer while they're having this conversation. And I'm like, my God, these people are so boring and so bored with their own lives that they can't even bother to not like chug from a can of beer during an, an on-screen interview. Like you guys are weird. Y'all are so weird. Um, and Jasmine says, you know, like I'm finished. This is, this is my culture. This is how I am. Like, I don't let people in and we're just like a very cold culture. And which Blake also says the same thing. Um, Rita says that she's concerned because Blake doesn't listen to her when she when he's in bad relationships. Like, do you think it might be because he's a grown ass man who doesn't have to listen to you, Rita? You know, he's not required to listen to you. <laughs> My God. Um ugh. And like, if he's not listening to you, then maybe that's your cue to like leave it alone. Like I understand that like we want to fight for our fa- make sure our friends are getting taken care of and stuff but like at some point if it's clear that they don't want to hear it then shut the fuck up. <laughs> like truly. Um oh god, they're so stupid. Like I said, Jasmine says that like the reason why she's so off not off-putting, but cold is because it's a finished thing and that she does promise to put more effort into hanging out with them. But she's like, you know, if we can do daytime stuff, like I'm, I would be more than happy than that. And it's just very clear that like Jasmine, I don't know why she won't tell. Well, well, we'll get into that in a second, but it's very clear that she's just like, I don't like the partying. And if, all you guys are doing is partying, then yeah, I don't really want to hang out with you guys. And I think that's okay. Like they don't have to, she doesn't have to be okay with the fact that they drink all the time. Just like you guys find her so boring for being sober. Like why does she have to be so accepting of your lifestyle choices? It's very weird. Then Rita, Rita is like, well, I hope Jasmine will make a little bit more effort because before it gets to a point where like, I just don't care. (laughs) Rita. <laughs> I hope I mean this is something that all we we would all hope for. All we want is for you not to care, Rita. You're so weird. This is so weird. It's so so weird. Oh my god. Let's just quickly get to the next segment. This is the next and last segment with Mike and Natalie. So they've been pussyfooting around this whole time about like like I said, like they planted the seed last episode about something happened behind the scenes between Mike and Natalie. And this is a reason why Natalie is having such a hard issue letting it go. Um, so they start off with a scene of, you know, their differences with religion and how, um, we learn that Natalie is Russian Orthodox and that as we know, uh, Mike is like an alien truther. (sighs) Um, he's like an ancient aliens guy. He, she says that she doesn't want her kids to be confused about their beliefs. And I get that. Like, it's fair to say, like, if you guys are very strong in your convictions about like, Mike's basically an atheist and you're very religious and you're very like Catholic, then yeah, that is a conversation that needs to be had. And yeah, it's just very, very strange. Not strange. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's understandable. It's understandable that she would not want to put her children in. She's like, I don't want to put them in a position of being like, my mom's on one end of the spectrum and my dad's on another. Like, which one do I choose? Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So Tanya chimes in and she asks if they would let, if she'd let their kids decide, you know, like where they wanted to go with, uh, with, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm so out of it, you guys, with respect to their, you know, religious beliefs and their faith. And Natalie says that she wants her man to sit beside her, which basically says like, I want him to be on the same page as me. Otherwise it's not going to work. So then we get to the scene of like, do you love Michael or not? I don't want to keep saying Michael, Mike, uh, note to the 90 day fiance. Pro- <laughs> can we, can we get a, um, can we end it on the guy's name? Michael, like we had three this year, Angela and Michael, Mike and Natalie, Michael and Juliana. Like I need a break. <laughs> I need a break. Um, Okay, so then they get to the scene about, like, do you love Michael, Mike or not? Um, and her hesitating. And she does admit that, like, she gets in her feelings. And when she gets in her feelings, that, like, it's hard for her to be considerate of other people's feelings. And that can come off very selfish. And um, that's what she feels like what happened with Mike in terms of like not saying I love you. Like if I'm in my field, like I'm not going to tell you that, but like, and I understand that it's hurtful to you, but like, I'm just so in my thing that like, I just can't do it. Um, so then she says that she has a lot of feelings for him, but that they have a lot of issues. And again, Natalie keeps hesitating on answering whether or not she loves Mike and what exactly happened between them. Natalie says that she's cautious because she doesn't want to get divorced again. And she mentions that there was a situation between them that hurt her. Mike this whole time is like being real quiet, like shifty eyed and like real weird, which is not helping his case at all. Um, She admits that she was in love with him at first, but things happened that pushed her away. And so Sean asks if Mike was faithful and Mike was like, like, I don't know, like, doesn't really answer. And then Robert chimes in and is like, okay, you got to stop wasting this guy's time. Do you love him? Yes or no. And Tanya's like, but there are layers to to this. And he's like, no, but like, you're wasting this guy's time. Like, what is going on? And it starts like getting more and more tense as like, everybody's like, okay, what happened? Angel's like, there's something weird about this. Like, what what did he do to you? Um, Mike says that he's like, I don't really know specifically what she's referring to, which means that he does know. Um, and he knows that she's not going to say anything for whatever reason. So they keep dancing around this. And Natalie was like, okay, well, Mike, you tell the story. So then Mike says, um, that he has like a best woman friend that he's known for years and they lived together at one point, yada, yada, yada. They're very close. Um, she was getting married and that she wanted him to be the best man or her best man or whatever. So the night before the wedding, he, they're like, he said that he was going to crash at the couple's house and that he was under the impression that like it was going to be the couple, the newly, the people that were about to get married and him. 
he was then he goes on to say that like I thought her husband was gonna be there, but like he was out with his boys, and Natalie goes, No, that's not true. It's like the husband was never planning on being there that night. So basically she found out that he had spent the night at this chick's house. Um and she says, like, this is why I push religion on him because I don't trust that he is going to do the right thing. I can't trust his behavior. And then she starts to say like that she had gotten messages from this woman that said like, you and Mike are never going to get married, but then they really don't get in deep in it. They really kind of like dip their toe into like what happened. And then Robert's like, you know what? I would be really pissed about that too. She's like, you, she's like, I just don't understand how you think it's okay to like, she's like, I would never put myself in a position where the night before my wedding, I was spending the night alone in a house with one dude and nobody else. Like it's weird. And that's fair. It is weird. So the only thing that we really, that is really made clear is that Natalie is under the impression that Mike lied to her about the husband being there that night and she doesn't obviously know what happened between them but she thinks like if you're gonna lie about that then what else are you gonna lie about which is fair um so she keeps refusing to say anything she doesn't she's like well i don't want to get into it which is so annoying but i heard that they're filming another season and they were that they were spotted um, that apparently she was spotted in Washington not too long ago. So maybe she's just holding back for the sake, maybe like producers told her not to get into it too much because it would be on the next season. I don't know. But Mike says that he, then he gets like real weird. Like he pivots back to like the nice guy. Like he goes from being like, oh, this creep that just potentially cheated on his fiance to being like, well, I'm going to go to the Ukraine and like, I really want to go to like, give my all to her and really try this out. She's like, and Sean is like, okay, well, cool. Good luck. Bye. (laughs) That literally was like the end of the episode and the season you guys before the 90 days starts next week. I am so very excited because it looks like a really great cast. We have what looks like characters from true characters Maybe, and we finally get our first LGBT couple, which I'm really excited about. Maybe I'm thinking the reason why people didn't take to the season is that there weren't really outlandish characters. Like, the only person who could be considered outlandish would, I guess, be Tanya. And that's really not outlandish. She's just, like, a nightmare. Um, But it looks like we have actual characters. Like, maybe this season was more like the earlier seasons of 90 Day Fiance, where it's like, yeah, this is weird, but, like... Ultimately, these people are, like, fairly normal and have it together. So maybe there's not too much there. But, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to having, like, I, I hope we have a, a girl who's, like, a true sugar baby. And I think we do. It seems like there are lies, um, things happening. There apparently was, and I'll get into this next week because I don't have it up now, but apparently one of the cast members has, like, a very shady past and I heard that they were even like trying to phase him out. So maybe he's like a, a non-factor at this point. But apparently one of the cast members has like a history of domestic violence. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, yeah, I am very excited. But that's the end of 90 Day Fiance season seven, I think. And I'll be back with you guys next week for the premiere of Before the 90 Days. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Bye.